0: Hi, my name is Cameron Cole, and I'm the director of Children, Youth, and Family at the Church of the Advent. And this is our uh, podcast microclass, Gospel Moments. I'm sitting here with Tara Davis, our children's director, Lucy Kate Green, who is our uh, girls' youth director, uh, Rebecca Lankford, who is uh, who's also on our youth ministry staff, and Tucker Fleming, who is our junior high guy, or just our junior high director, um, and Jack of all trades. And man with the best beard in the whole building, for sure. Thank you. (laughs) But so we are um, in this Gospel Moments podcast. We are now on episode six, which is about choices. And again, with Gospel Moments, we're talking about six moments that every child is going to have in the course of their childhood and their adolescence and how it is that we speak the gospel into this. And so today we're going to talk about choices. And uh, it sounds a little bit trite and cliche. It's all about choices. Um, but it's, it's, you know, it's a very real thing, especially as kids continue to develop, they get more and more independence, more and more autonomy, um, that, you know, choices become a big thing, and there can be a lot of pressure and a lot of fear related to choices. And so uh, we am going to talk about how it is that, A, we rely on God's grace in order to, to make the best choices possible in accordance with His will, but also, too, how we have freedom as we remember God's grace and His sovereignty that, um, you know, there's mercy in bad choices. So let's start out and, and just talk about what choices look like at different age levels. And so, Tira, would you mind talking to us a little bit about where you observe the struggle with choices with regard to elementary-age kids? Absolutely.
1: Well, um, let's think about school for a minute. When, when most of us were probably in school back in the day, we didn't really have a lot of choices. We were told what to do, and um, it was very much – authoritative and there wasn't a whole lot of choice. It's very different nowadays. Um, Students as young as kindergarten are just faced with choice after choice every day. Um, Do I ask for help when I feel like I need help? Who do I play with at recess today? Who should I ask to be a partner? Um, Who should I sit with at lunch? If you see um, a student, if one child sees another child who looks all alone or who visibly is upset, do I go comfort that child or do I ignore them? I mean, so many social choices that children are faced with um, and they really do need a lot of guidance and encouragement of how best to make those. And we'll talk about that in just a little bit of how to feed the gospel into those to um, equip them to make great choices.
2: I would say with um, junior high I would use the same phrase social choices Um, you know junior high kids are moving into a totally different social scene their friend groups are changing Um, their friends are changing that they've grown up with Um, some of them are going to new schools and so I think a lot of that pressure and focus regarding their choices also has to do with um, just their peers and how to interact with them you know, how to climb the social ladder and making choices um, to do that, making choices, um, you know, kind of based on status maybe, maybe for the first time. So um, off, the, off the bat, that's kind of what comes to mind.
3: I think for me with senior high, the first thing that comes to mind is I see a lot of anxiety over seemingly mundane kind of everyday choices, particularly with girls, which is where my wheelhouse is what do I wear? Um, what group do I go to the party with? Um, should I take AP Spanish or not? Um, these little, these little small choices that they're faced with throughout the day that do seem to add up to a fair amount of anxiety, which I think is testament to the fact that they kind of believe that all their small choices have a much bigger weight than maybe, um, that's actually true. So yeah, I see a lot of anxiety over small everyday choices.
4: Yeah, I think for for junior high guys, what we see a lot of is uh, between, you know, seventh and ninth grade, the foundations to the answer of the question, who am I, are starting to be laid. So, for example, um, kids are having to decide, boys are having to decide and make the active choice. Am I going to be defined by... Whether I make or get cut from this sports team, am I going to be defined by who my friends are and what they do, or am I going to be defined by what the Lord Jesus says about me? What's going to be the thing that is most true about me? What's the identity that I hold on to in the darkest and most challenging of times? And um, you know, as as much as we want to say boys will be boys, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, they are at that at this age starting to really answer that question in a meaningful way and in a way that'll impact the rest of their lives. Mm, yeah.
0: I see a lot of, a similar thing to uh, what Rebecca is talking about. There's a little bit of paralysis by analysis when it comes to choices and something we need to appreciate. and There's a fair amount of literature on this, um, but, but Andrew Root um, in a book that, that he wrote, he talks about how teenagers and families are coping with the, just a total inundation of choices Uh, your choices were a lot more limited, you know, back when I was a kid in the, in the 1940s, no, Um, but truly in the 1980s, 1990s, you know, think about this, you know, when I was a kid, when you turned on the TV, there were, you know, if you had cable, maybe 40 or 50 channels, that was it. And, um, and then, you know, now my kids, holy cow, I mean, it's Disney Plus, it's YouTube TV, on YouTube TV, we have, you know, over a hundred channels. And then we have the Roku, so there are like, I mean, literally thousands of choices, that they, and then there's YouTube. <laughs> and, um, and so, so then, you know, you, that, that's just one area, um, but, you know, in every area of life, because of technology, choices have just multiplied exponentially. And so there are just, um, there's a, there's a, there's, you know, a lot of pressure in that way. And also, too, I, I do think that because this is part of our sin nature, but the prevailing message our kids hear in the culture is that, like, your future is on your shoulders. Like, you know, if you can dream it, you can do it. walk 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 walk, you know. Uh, and then, you know, if it's going to be, it's up to me. That, that kind of mentality. And so, you know, it makes sense. They feel so much pressure with their choices because they feel like they have – Total self determination over their whole life, and that's just not hopeful and it's not true either. So, Mary Rebecca, tell us, um, tell us about uh, the story of Jeroboam and Rehoboam.
3: Yeah, so we're going to look at a story from First Kings twelve. This is a story of Rehoboam, who was the first king of the southern tribe of Judah. Um, so. In this story, we're going to see how Rehoboam is faced with a choice. He is faced with a choice of whether to listen to older wise counsel or the counsel of his contemporaries. And we're going to see that Rehoboam does not make the wisest choice. And we're going to see that as a product of that, there are some pretty negative consequences for Rehoboam's choice, yet more graciously we see God's Sovereign, sustaining hand, working through this poor choice that he makes. So this is 1 Kings 12, starting in verse 1. Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had come to Shechem to make him a king. And as soon as Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, heard of it, for he was still in Egypt, where he had fled from King Solomon, then Jeroboam returned from Egypt. And they sent and called him, and Jeroboam and all the assembly of Israel came together and said to Rehoboam, Your father made our yoke heavy. Now, therefore, lighten the hard service of your father and his heavy yoke on us, and we will serve you. He said to them, Go away for three days, then come again to me. So the people went away. Then King Rehoboam took counsel with the old men, who had stood before Solomon his father while he was yet alive, saying, How do you advise me to answer this people? And they said to him, If you will be a servant to this people today and serve them, and speak good words to them when you answer them, Then they will be your servants forever. But he abandoned the counsel that the old men took him, gave him, and took counsel with the young men who had grown up with him and stood before him. And he said to them, What do you advise that we answer this people who have said to me, Lighten the yoke that your father put on us? And the young men who had grown up with him said to him, Thus you shall speak to the people who said to you, Your father made our yoke heavy, but you lighten it for us. Thus shall you say to them, My little finger is thicker than my father's thighs. And now, whereas my father laid on you a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. So Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam the third day. And the king said, as the king said, come to me again the third day. And the king answered the people harshly and forsaking the counsel that the old men had given him. He spoke to them according to the counsel of the young men saying, My father made your yoke heavy, but I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. So the king did not listen to the people, for it was a turn of affairs brought about by the Lord, that he might fulfill his word, which the Lord spoke by Ahijah the Shionite to Jeroboam the son of Nebat. Okay, so like I said, in the story we see that Rehoboam has a choice. People come to him, the people of Israel, and say, Hey, your father Solomon was not the greatest to us. Will you please lighten the load for us? So first, Rehoboam goes, and he goes and seeks counsel with older wise men. And they tell him, you should lighten the load of your people Israel. Well, this doesn't sound like a lot of fun to Rehoboam. So then he goes to what Cameron so... um, Lovingly refers to as Rehoboam's frat daddies, um, his contemporaries, his high school pals. And he says, what should I do? And they tell him, you should should go down twice as hard on the people of Israel. So, as we're told in the text, Jeroboam forsakes the counsel that the older men had given him, and he listens to his frat daddies. And he makes the choice.
0: Rebecca, you sounded so elegant saying frat daddies. (laughs) It's frat daddies. I
3: think this is the first time that's been used with first kings ever, (laughs) frat daddies. So he listens to the frat daddies, and he bears down the yoke extra hard on the people of Israel. So Jeroboam's made the wrong choice here. And we see that there are going to be some pretty intense consequences of Jeroboam's choice. As a result of this, there's going to be a civil war that's ultimately going to end up splitting, Israel into a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom, and it's going to be really bad. So we see that as an immediate consequence of Rehoboam's bad choice. But we also have this gracious word from the Lord in verse 15, where it says, for it was a turn of affairs brought about by the Lord that he might fulfill his word. So even in the midst of Rehoboam's bad decision, even though he listened to the frat daddies over the older wise men, we see that this was ultimately within the counsel of the good and sovereign Lord. And he was ultimately going to bring about even the divide of the nation of Israel for his redemptive purposes, which is a really hopeful word for us when we're facing a choice that no purpose can prevail against the counsel of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: Amen. That's great. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Rebecca. So then how do, we, um, how do we speak the gospel into this moment, You know, into the choices and that, that anxiety and that pressure that kids feel Tara, what would you say in terms of, you know, children and elementary age?
1: Yeah, well, piggybacking off of what Rebecca just talked about is teaching our children about God's will. Um, Teaching them that he has a perfect will and praying over our children and speaking over them in such a way where they begin to want to live according to God's will. That, um, you know, can take some pressure off of ultimate failure for making the wrong choice Um, and uh, secondly um oh i've lost my train of thought for a second what i think is so valuable for children is to remind them from an early age that they were created to glorify god and if we can teach them that and instill that into their daily lives when we at home are with our children and talking about choices and decisions, when we can view potential choices through the lens of, okay, I'm created to glorify God. What can I do that would glorify Him? A lot of times the choice is very clear what we should or should not do. Um, We all know it's not that easy to then follow through with what might be the best decision, Um, but we have God's grace for that. And that, too, is another learning experience to teach our children that that is such a heartfelt prayer to um, ask the Lord by His Spirit to put in us that desire and um, strength to make those choices that would glorify Him.
0: That's great. Really good.
1: Um,
2: So I think from this story we can kind of see like three different parts to a choice like the before where reyoboam is seeking counsel the during when he makes his choice and the after where he's facing consequences and um i think we can talk to kids you know about surrounding themselves with good christian community and mentors and equipping them with tools to make choices um that inevitably they'll have to make um but then I personally made more bad choices than good ones growing up, and especially in middle school and high school, and looking back now, um, I'm so grateful to look at those moments where I was in the midst of a bad choice, and I can see that that was not a time where God was absent from my life, and that Jesus was sitting right there with me in those choices, um, even though I was unaware of his presence, um. And so I think really just teaching our kids about the intimate friendship we have with Jesus and um, when we make the right choices or the wrong ones, he's there just the same. Um, And then in thinking about the aftermath of our choices, specifically our bad ones and the consequences, um, I'm going to read a quote from a Tim Keller sermon. Um, It says, the day when God makes everything right, the day that everything sad comes untrue, On that day, the same thing will happen to your own hurt and sadness. You will find that the worst things that have ever happened to you will, in the end, only enhance your eternal delight. On that day, all of it will be turned inside out, and you will know joy beyond the walls of the world. The joy of your glory will be that much greater for every scar you bear." And being an adult now walking with the Lord, I'm so grateful, even for the bad choices that I made, um, in just the way that it has shown me intimacy with Christ in a new and deeper way. And so I think if your child is in the midst of dealing with those consequences, just pointing to the eternal truth that there's just opportunity to know Christ more, to know his faithfulness, to know his righteousness, um, and just to know his kindness and mercy in such a real way through their bad choices, um. So yeah, maybe someone else can talk about good choices. But. Yeah, I,
0: mean, I think what you said is really good, Lucy, because I think you know there are households, particularly Christian households, where the message is there is absolutely no tolerance for failure, mm-hmm. and you know it will not be permitted. And, and certainly, you know, we want to call our kids towards holiness and godliness, and like you also, there's a tension, and you also they need to know about God's grace and mercy mm-hmm. particularly that flows out of His sovereignty mm-hmm. um, because otherwise you know they are just going to become good liars mm-hmm. and good at hiding yeah and their problems are going to get worse and worse yeah. so it's got to be there's got to be a there's got to be a heavy mm-hmm. got to prepare them to fail and you got to you know tell them there's lots of grace
2: yeah Mm -hmm. i think this is where having a relationship with jesus is very different from just having knowledge about jesus yeah um because the jesus you have a relationship with is in those things and with you all the time um and that's something we can point our kids to constantly um when the knowledge of jesus is just maybe too big to understand in that moment but
0: good
3: Yeah, I am someone who has just incredible amounts of anxiety when it comes to making choices, particularly big ones. And I remember um, facing the choice of where to move after college, what job to take. Pretty big choice. And I remember um, talking to my former youth pastor, who's seated at this table. (laughs) And uh, I'm
0: rejecting
4: (laughs) him.
3: Yes, that is how the story turned out. Yes, and he taught me about um the choices what i call the tripod i don't know if that's actually what it's called but uh he pointed me to when you're faced with a big choice you want to ask what does god's word say what does counsel say and what do what does what are your internal desires tell you not that that should be the thing you follow but you know so okay go to the word what is what does god's word say about the situation how might it be calling me to obedience um what are my trusted mentors, people older and wiser than me? What do they advise me to do in the situation? Not your frat daddies. Not my frat daddies, <laughs> yeah. And then number three, you know, just pray that God would align my desires with his. And so when it comes to asking the question, okay, what do I want to do, checking our desires and seeing if the Lord really might be speaking to us through those things. So I found the wisdom tripod to be really helpful.
4: Yeah, that's good. Um, you know, we talked... Uh, a second ago about how especially for junior high boys the choice uh, that a lot of them are facing among others is who am i and what defines who i am and the crucial piece in answering that question is you want to help your students form for themselves an identity that suffering that difficulty that hardship that the world cannot take away right if if your identity is Uh, as an all-state cornerback or a good basketball player or a good student, right, um, you you can leave your ACL on that football field when you take a wrong step, and all of a sudden that identity is shattered, right? Mm -hmm. You can really, really struggle in AP Calculus and find your identity completely shattered. But if your identity is placed in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has already done 2,000 years ago outside of you and anything you have contributed to it, then that, in a very real sense, is an identity that difficulty and hardship and suffering cannot touch, cannot take away.
0: Uh, th- thanks, Tucker. And you know, I would say I would echo something that Tara said earlier that this, I think it's really important for us to overteach and to emphasize um, how the will of the Lord is good. And in, in Romans twelve two, the, the will of God is um, described as perfect, pleasing, and acceptable. And so, and it's, you know, to be in God's will is the best place for us to be no matter what. And so, you know, we see his will um, come to us through his word primarily. And then also, too, in those subjective moments where, you know, it doesn't say in black and white terms what God's will is, like, where do I move after college or things like that, then we, you know, have to have to seek God's will in our relationship with Christ and, you know, trusting in the good shepherd to direct us. And so I think that's the first thing to say is, you know, we first look for his will in the word and and then in the relationship. And then from there, just to emphasize, that like, God's will is a good thing. And then, you know, with all of these choices that kids have, certainly we want to encourage them to turn them all over to the Lord. And, like, I, you know, what the question? what's question one of the New City Catechism, Tara? Um, what is our only hope? Only yeah, what is our only hope in life we're not and death? Our own, but belong to God. Yeah, we're not our own, but belong to God. Our life belongs to God, and so there are negative consequences when we make bad choices. So we want to avoid them. And as sinners, I mean, really flawed sinners, we just can't help ourselves. It's just going to happen. And we need to. We need to die to the dream that our child is going to live a perfect life. There was only one person who did that, and that's because he was God Almighty in the flesh. <laughs> And so, um, and so, just to remind them that, like, wherever you are, God is there. Like you said, Lucy, Kate, and that um, you know, God's will is greater than our mistakes. Mm-hmm. And so, that I think that's something we want to really um, just bathe our kids in, because they do experience so many, so much anxiety with choices, and they do feel so much pressure about how their choices influence their future. So that's all um, So we have time for today. I hope this is helpful, and uh, I hope this whole Gospel Moments podcast, um, po- uh, podcast microclass has been a blessing to you. If you have questions, any of us would love to have a conversation with you about this content um, or just about life in general. So God bless you. I hope you have a great day.